Hello and welcome to another episode of R3 Sense, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined as always by my childhood friend Chris Dow. A special message, Spessage. And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. If Wonky Veg was a person. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week we have our number 77s. But before we do that, it is time to see if Minty can level the playing field in the quiz. I really hope so. I'd love to. I want to. Am I ahead again? <laughs> I think you're a full person. Created in 1980, Whoa. Missile Command was popular and successful at arcades into the mid-90s. Can you tell me, what is the object of the game? A. Shoot down incoming aircrafts. B. Destroy the enemy's cities. C. Save the princess. Or D. Defend the cities. D. I think it's D. Well, I can tell you that you are both correct, but Chris got in there first. Ah. So the point goes to Chris and it is now 12-10. Lovely stuff. It's a game that uses a trackball as well. If you've ever played any arcade games with trackballs. That's um, like the top of a roll on deodorants, isn't it? A trackball. It is exactly that. Yeah. And usually just as clammy if you play it in the arcades. Oh, <laughs> very true, yeah. You have to give it a good shunt just to get rid of all the watsit dust. And What do you put on your... How do you eat watsits? No, I'm talking about the trackball. Oh, I thought you were talking about roll on deodorants. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so what have we been playing this week? Hey, I'll tell you what I've been playing. You do? I've been playing Stardew Valley. Oh! I picked up Stardew Valley on the Switch and I've been playing it. Are you having a wonderful time? Yeah, I'm having a nice time with it, actually. Excellent. Um, What is your favourite crop so far that you've grown? Cows. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have been having a lovely time just pressing the dice when it comes to naming your hens. Because (laughs) some of the names are very funny. Um, So I've got Brumbo. I think I've got Poinkle. <laughs> um, Scrumbo. Excellent. And Snodley. <laughs> Can you guess which one of those that I named myself? Snodley. Yes. Wow. Yes. How did you know that? Because I'm your best friend. Oh, it's hey. true. <laughs> How lovely. I've actually been playing a, a few different games this week. I'll touch on them all briefly. And the first of which was Rock of Ages 2, Bigger and Bolder, which. Oh, um, there's a sequel. Huh? There's a sequel. Yes. Ah. It is. I mean, if you've played the first one, you'll know it is utterly, utterly ridiculous game. Mm. I mean, massively inspired by the comedy of Monty Python, the animations. Essentially, the premise of the game is you are reenacting classic battles throughout history with a boulder. <laughs> with, with a face. With a face, yeah. As an example, the opening cinematic of the battle that was clearly taking place between Atlas and Adam and Eve was Atlas wandering through the Garden of Eden and looking, uh, wandering through the grass that looked very Pokemon-y and then Adam and Eve popped out and then the, it went into an actual Pokemon-style battle where Atlas threw a holy Pokeball and Devil Snake came out of it to fight Adam <laughs> and Eve and then Adam and Eve used removing rib and then Eve ripped a rib out of Adam and used it as like a, a boomerang and then Devil Snake used Knowledge Apple and threw that at them, and then they ate it, and then it, then divine thunder came down, and, and then uh, and then I was a boulder, and then I was putting sticky cows down to make sure that Adam and Eve's boulder didn't destroy my castle. So that doesn't sound like the first one at all. It, uh, by the first one, do you mean the first book of the Bible? <laughs> 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 
the I thought the first Rock of Ages game was a it, it was a double fine game, wasn't it? And you were a guitarist and you had to. Say, oh no, are you thinking of Brutal, brutal Legend? Legend? Oh God, I am the, the Jack Black <laughs> guitar no. game. <laughs> oh, what have I done? <laughs> A very different sequel, you're right. <laughs> so that's a lot of fun, and I'd recommend it. I, I bought it on the Switch in the, the eShop sale, but then was like, I'd made the mistake of watching a video review of it online to see oh, sort of what it was about, and the video was from the PS4 version, and then I got the Switch version, um. and I must say it's a significant downgrade so i immediately double dipped and bought it on the ps4 <laughs> and deleted it from my switch system and pretended like it hadn't happened that's a very jonathan dunn thing it, to do. it is isn't it it is and then i proceeded to buy mutant muds deluxe collection which i'd played on the 3ds and i spent the entire hour and 10 minutes of the flight back from denmark last night trying to beat the final level of mutant it's muds. hard isn't it it's it was yeah game. But that was that was fun. It was a couple of quid. I also bought Tesla versus Lovecraft, which is a, a quite a, a fun twin stick shooter game where the story goes that Lovecraft rocked up at some science expo and Tesla humiliated him. So Lovecraft unleashed Cthulhu upon the world and Tesla has to use his all of his crazy electric weapon inventions to defeat the hordes of evil. And it's it's very silly and and, and quite it's, it's fun it's fine and then I also rebought Bastion which I haven't played yet but I'm I mean I've, I've played it plenty of times but I was like oh, that'd be nice to play that again hmm. sounds about it are you sure well I've also then got back into playing <laughs> Dead Cells in preparation for the DLC coming out this week and I am so excited I am so excited just to confirm I am so excited. Chris, what have you been playing this week? I played and finished a short narrative game called Old Man's Journey. Ah, how was it? It was really, really lovely. Uh, really beautiful art. Mm. I played it on the Switch, on the big screen, but it, it would have worked better with the touchscreen, but I thought it was such a pretty game, I wanted to see it big. It's, it's one of those that I'm sure it's nicer to control on like an iPad or something like that, because you are like manipulating sort of planes of a level to draw paths for this man to walk along. But the, the whole premise is just that you receive a letter at the beginning, the whole game is kind of like without dialogue. So it's just kind of, you know, the story is moved along by uh, sort of flashbacks and still scenes and things like that. And you just kind of see him experiencing or, or thinking about his life up to a point, which I won't spoil in case people want to play because it's very sad and it, it makes you have a little little wet eye. <laughs> Chris is suffering with wet eye. Aside from that, I played a little bit of Tetris 99 again because there was a, a promotional event over the weekend to win a Game Boy theme. Ah, did you win it? I did, of course, yes. Oh, well done. Congratulations. <laughs> and it's really nice. It, it comes with a song. It comes with all the original sound effects from the Game Boy 1. It's, it's a very... Um, Lovely. A nice way to do it. It wasn't just as easy as just saying, oh, that's the song, that'll do them. It kind of has a bit more care in, in it than that. Excellent. Uh, let's do a quick status update before we move on to the rankings. What percent are we all on on Konami Pixel Puzzle Collection? I have slowed right down. I'm on about 34, so I'm, I'm about caught up to where you were a week ago. Oh, God. Yeah, it's just now a stark, stark realisation of just how much I've played it in the last week, because of where I am now at 70.6%. Really? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy cats. And I've also started playing it on my iPad now as well, because it's easier to play with that big It's screen. much easier, yeah. Yeah. So, moving on to the rankings. Starting this week, we have my game. Ooh. My game is a game on the Nintendo 3DS. Oh, it's exciting. Good little system, isn't it? It is a game that was recommended to me, funnily enough, by a certain Mr. Dow. 
Oh. I know. Your father rang me and said... Um, no. <laughs> no, no, you told me. You said, you need to get this. It's your favourite game. <laughs> I know what this is. And um, obviously we can deduce from this being episode 26 that that was woefully incorrect. <laughs> but it was still a great game that I enjoyed nonetheless. That game was, of course, Fantasy Life. Fantasy Life? Brilliant. Yeah, it was a game that I played and then told Minty, Minty, you need to play this. It's your favourite game. <laughs> and I did play it. And w- we will see. <laughs> it could be. I mean, Fantasy Life is essentially, it feels like it's about 100 games in one <laughs> because it is a hybrid of all the different types of RPG and all the different types of sim game you could possibly find. And so the the premise is there's a massive fantasy world full of fantasy things, magic and dragons and whatever, and you get to choose which career you adopt, what life you want to lead. And then there is a huge quest, depending on that career, and you can also switch to different careers at any point and carry on with those quests on a very different thing and eventually you can take on all the careers you want and explore all the different corners of this world through these various different vocations so for example if you're in the mood to play a zelda game then you could adopt the paladin job or if you wanted to play say final fantasy you could adopt the mercenary job or if you wanted to play harvest moon you could be a farmer or if you wanted to play legend of the river king you could be an angler, or uh, if you wanted to be a child, you could be a miner. Hey! You don't even like this game. We just wanted to make that joke. Entirely, entirely. <laughs> but there were loads of different lives you could choose from, obviously from, from those ones I've just mentioned. But also you could be such things as a woodworker or a haberdasherer or a food preparator, an entrepreneur, a doorman, a wrangler, a butcher, a baker, a flat pack curator, a mystic fiddler, a goat, a sneak thief, a rustic gobshite, an inventor, a visionary, or most importantly, you could be true to yourself. So yeah, but it's a proper open world game. So like I said, you can interchange which career which quest you're kind of pursuing at any point but you can go right to the hardest part of the world at any point in the game you'll be killed very swiftly but quite nicely right outside the kind of the starting city where you are there is an enormous dragon and you, you can run away from him it's fine but inevitably the first time you'll see him you'll be like awesome let's let's give this guy a run for his money you're dead you're dead before you even decide what you're going to do. But then every 10 hours into the game, I think, actually, you know what? I wonder, there was that dragon early doors. Let's uh, let's go and give him another go at you die again. But eventually you would get hard enough to defeat the dragon and, you know, you'd slowly work up and, and explore all the different areas of the world, which was, which was lovely, which was lovely. I found it quite interesting, the fact that every quest line that you had somehow ended up with you having to save the world through your, your, you know, your various chosen means, which was fair enough. Like if you were a sorcerer or the magician, I think it was called. And obviously you'd have to defeat some evil wizard. But then if you were the chef, I I, just, I don't know, had to cook a good egg. (laughs) The best egg. The best egg. And then maybe you would satiate the hunger of the evil Leviathan that was going to devour the princess. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. Ultimately, 
the game wasn't quite as open-ended as you would initially believe because it did basically all the quests ended up falling into you know one of two things either you were crafting something or you were fighting something and you would go and find a monster and kill the monster get the bounty bring it back or you'd you know have to level up your crafting skill enough to make a certain dish or weapon but even though you know that variety wasn't there as much as perhaps you know we would have liked it was still really it was still really nice it was really satisfying yeah yeah. and you know it was very clear what you were doing you know there wasn't massive confusion if you're like oh hang on am i am i a paladin right now am i a chef i I don't know i've I've killed an orange (laughs) um and it was very clear what you were doing which which job you were currently pursuing what your next quest was what your next mission was so it made it quite easy and quite satisfying to kind of progress through the game and uh, and just really enjoy the world hmm. just really enjoy the world it was really it was very lovely uh, obviously the game was made by level 5 who have done other games such as uh, Professor Layton and, and Nino um, Cooney. And Nino Cooney. And so it did have that wonderful kind of Studio Ghibli esque animation style to it with some of the cutscenes and the in game graphics were just wonderful. It was, it was thoroughly adorable. My enduring memory of playing it was I remember getting it just before I went to Zambia for three weeks. And I brought it with me. I brought it with me. And I played a lot more of it than I thought I was going to. <laughs> you could probably be a bit critical of me thinking, okay, you went to Africa and you just <laughs> sat and played on your 3DS. <laughs> yes. But correct. <laughs> in, the temperatures in the daytime were so high that basically you, I just had to sit as still as possible. So I generated as little energy as possible uh, on the fear that I might, you know, sort of creep up a degree and combust. It was, it was just, so I basically just had to sit with a fan on, with an open window, and just kill a load of slime monsters. Mm. There was a sequel, and there, well, there is a sequel. It's a mobile game, isn't it? Yeah, so far it's only out in Japan. But then, like, the original Fantasy Life took, I think it was like two years to be translated and whatever, mm. and brought over to, to here. So I think that the mobile game only ended up coming out last year, so we might see it at some point. I, I have no idea whether or not it's gone that same horrendous route of Animal Crossing. <laughs> but it, 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 it would, I think it would work well with that sort of pick-up-and-play style. I think that would work quite well. But it was a lovely game. I mean, it, if you're going to have such a broad title as Fantasy Life, you do need to have a lot of content in there. And it, and it did. It really did. Yeah, I would love it if a new one was in in development for the for the Switch. I think we'd have a great time. Where could they go though? Fantasy lives. <laughs> Extra lives. I mean, what I really liked about the the 3DS game was it knew it was a handheld game. Yes. So none of the none of the quests you did were ever like, well, this is going to take you three hours to do. Yeah. Even when it was like defeat something tough or or defeat a certain amount of something or collect a certain amount of something, they were still like bite-sized little chunks. Yeah. And like you said, there's a lot of content to it. Like it's a, it's a huge game if you're really going to sort of like try and prestige or, or get the top rank of each life kind of thing. Which I did, including the DLC. Did you do every one? I think I got to about half. Everyone. Yes, I did too. Yeah, <laughs> Minty did as well. <laughs> I, yeah. Of course you did. Of course you did. I picked it, I picked it back up a couple of weeks ago. For, for, for all we said about uh, pick up and play ability, mm. I was like, well, I've just picked this up. I don't actually know what to do now. And then I realised that I had um, completed it 100%. <laughs> there was nothing to do. There was nothing left there was to do. nothing literally. left to do. I mean, I definitely went over 100 hours, definitely. Because there was also, after you'd like done like triple starred a career, then there was also then like a ridiculously hard end 
quest and boss for each one that was yeah very tough i remember was there some sort of spooky pumpkin boss maybe or an evil carrot oh i remember that gave me some difficulty yeah that rings a bell i really hope it was in the game because it at some point a big old carrot has caused me (laughs) some some serious issues (laughs) you're thinking of cuphead oh mate i'd never think of cuffit (laughs) cuffied is it just on the pile on the bin pile that's mainly why I ended up buying more games on the eShop this uh, this last week, is just to kind of just shunt it off my home screen. <laughs> <laughs> just into the pile of shame, just off of yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there it is. A very fondly remembered game. I probably would play a sequel, but... Yeah, like you said, it, I, I'm not sure where they could go with it. And but then I don't know if I'd mind. Just more. I think I'd probably play the game again. Just more of it. Yeah, just more. Different careers. Shinier. You could be a farrier. They do horses' hooves, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm. You could be a... Sommelier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. A wine taster. A wine taster. Oh, okay, okay. You could be a Cicerone. You could be a trichologist. What's that? It's a hair scientist. Hair scientist. <laughs> <laughs> you could be a phlebotomist. Oh, yeah. 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 You could be... Anything that you wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. My 77th favourite video game is a, a fantasy life. Moving on... Chris Dow, please can you tell us what your 77th favourite video game of all time is, please? This is a mobile game. Uh-huh. So the, I think the second mobile game on my list so far, so clearly I, I like them. And when I, when I was thinking about this and trying to make some notes, I was thinking, like, what makes a good mobile game? Like, for you too, what, what do you think is a decent mobile game? I mean, pick up and play. It's got to be pick up and play. Yeah. What about Minty? One thing that I really like in mobile games, I really like it when you can plug it into your Facebook and you can see where all your friends are so you can be like, right, these are who I need to be better than. Well, there's there's elements of both those things in this game. Not so much the, like, the social connectivity, but definitely the idea of furthering something, like m- moving along. Desert golfing that I talked about weeks and weeks ago now obviously made the list as being kind of like a real zen reflection on kind of the act of just playing, like just doing and, and enjoying that. So no long-term goal, just like the process of it, just picking it up when you fancied. And this game, which is Super Hexagon, oh. uh, is far more action-orientated than that. Yeah, that is, is not a relaxing game. <laughs> uh, and it, because of that, it's got a much more traditional purpose, but there's something about it that elicits like a kind of a similar feeling in me, even though they're very, very different experiences. Super Hexagon, obviously, it's for those who haven't played it, it's basically a game of pattern recognition I suppose and reflexes so each time you play in the centre of your screen is a hexagon at the edge of that hexagon is a little kind of triangle and that's the bit that you control purely by either tapping the left or right side of your screen and then that will move you either left as in anti-clockwise around the hexagon or right clockwise and then once the game actually starts you're just navigating outwards through like a swirling maze just going left and right and, and trying to avoid the obstacles as they come in towards you and at first, the gaps you squeeze through are kind of reasonably large and they feel kind of semi-accommodating, so you can make a little bit of progress. But the difficulty ramps up literally within seconds of starting <laughs> and the mazes just approach quicker and quicker. And you have to then either start reacting instinctively because you, you kind of see a gap and you go through it or, or kind of through just muscle memory that you're, you're kind of, you know, you, you learn how much pressure you need on each side of the screen to, to get to a certain point and, and get through. It's about this process because... It's not always about making loads of progress. 
And especially the first few games, you'll, you'll die after maybe five seconds. You might do slightly better and get six or seven. Then you're back to five, then four, then three, then six again, then eight, nine, back to four, up to 10. And it's like it's that kind of like wave of progress as, you, as you're getting that little bit further each time before getting kicked back and then you make a bit more progress. And it's kind of, it's just about the doing. There's something similar about the idea that you're, you're just doing, you're just playing because it's something to, to aim for. Like there's no real end, it feels like. And I mean, it's a game that is genuinely frustrating at times, but then satisfying because you, you have that kind of quick realisation that you have made a bit more progress. And it's always very quick to tell you when you've kind of beat your previous score and you're, you're moving on. And it makes it all feel quite dizzying. Like, like it's a real kind of heady experience, like a real kind of uh, endorphin rush when you start making a bit of, bit of progress forwards. And I think, I don't know, it's not great if you feel anxious about stuff. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a game for anyone who suffers from any sort of baseline anxiety. Yeah, it didn't last long on my phone. <laughs> no, the, the constant push of this maze is like really claustrophobic. But when I play it, when I'm in the right kind of mood to play it, as soon as I die, I restart. It's like the, there's no pause. If I've got 10 minutes, I'm going to fill the whole 10 minutes playing this if I'm in that right kind of mood set. And I think a big part of it is the way it uses audio to kind of push you forwards. So every run starts with a really sort of calming voice just saying, again, and then let you begin from there. And if you've got the sound on, it has like a thumping sort of chiptune techno music track behind it. But it does something really clever that when you die, which you obviously will every few seconds, instead of just restarting the whole song or putting you back at that point of the song, it skips forwards like about 15 seconds in the track or something. And because you're hearing new sections, it kind of feels like you are going somewhere, even though you're back at zero again. There's kind of the, there's this trick in your mind that feels like you are actually moving forwards because something is changing. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's really, really clever. And I hadn't really thought about it too much until I played it again recently to kind of relearn it or, or think about what the game was actually doing. But there's a lot of little bits like that and the kind of the way it uses its, its audio and its visuals to make it compelling. So it's kind of you're, you're progressing, you're, even though it's resetting, you're feeling this idea of like a measured progress kind of thing. It's a game that's really, really small. Essentially, there's six difficulties. Each one, the, the goal being to try and get to 60 seconds throughout the maze. At 60 seconds, it doesn't stop, but everything changes enough. Like I think the colours invert and it feels like you're then out the other side of something. And when it came out and I was playing it a lot at first, when I, when I first had it on my old iPhone, I think I beat four out of the six stages. But at the time, when I was like really trying to beat it, I, still, I never managed to beat those last two stages. I just didn't get it good enough. Like I would read things online where people would say, okay, so, you know, it's a game that's actually about, it's about life and death. It's about, uh, you know, it's about what, what's beyond and all this sort of stuff. And it was a, no, it's not. looking at a very simple kind of arcade experience as being something, as, as having like a higher purpose. And I, I don't feel that at all. But it's more for me about just the kind of, the struggle through something. Yeah. It's not it's not really about a resolution at the end. It's about just it it is difficult. So we're talking about like accessibility a few episodes ago. It's a game that there'd be no point having an easier mode because there's nothing else to see other than, you know, it being a hard game that you're you're attempting to get through. Yeah. It is difficult and it is a grind, but it's sort of like your best time, which improves whether you're really trying or not, because you just naturally get into the swing of it. It's like its own narrative of just overcoming that kind of previous hardship of just like a second before or two seconds before or whatever. So it's it's not so much about an ending of saying, you know, this is the credits, this is the final thing, or this is what the narrative leads to, because there's, there's none of that. It's just you get better. And in the same way, like I said about Desert Golf being, you just move forwards. In this, you kind of move forward as well. It's an anxiety-inducing game, certainly. But I've always found the more I play it, I find like a rhythmic calm to it. 
where I, I'm almost not thinking about what I'm doing anymore. It's just something that I'm absorbed into. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, in order to actually progress with the game, you do need to zone out, which is exactly the point of desert golfing as well. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, there's, there's an acknowledgement, the more you play it, that it's, you might be obviously trying to get to 60 seconds as like the goal or beyond that or whatever. But because you're, you're always traveling to a point, which is essentially just your own skill wall, it's like that becomes the thing you're pushing forwards as opposed to like an ending. And yeah, it's, it's a game that I've always kept on my phone ever since. Like as soon as I got my, my phone I've got now, sort of a year or so ago, being the first Android device I bought, the two games I installed straight away were Desert Golfing and Super Hexagon because they're both ones that I just find really satisfying if I've got just five minutes that I want to kill. I don't want to really think about anything other than just passing the time. Yeah. And, and they both stimulate something in me that I really, really enjoy. Uh, and yeah, it's my not favorite mobile game, but it is a good mobile game. <laughs> i absolutely agree that it is a good mobile game <laughs> it filled that same sort of hole in my phone that was left when i finally completed the impossible game yes yeah and i loved that and again it was because you just zone out and you lose perception of time mm. and you just all you're focusing on is the next bit the next bit the next bit and from that it was very it was very satisfying but also like you said super hexagon is more terrifying than a lot of other games that I've played that would be deemed horror games <laughs> there, there's definitely an element I, th I think if you're the type of person that certainly like I said there's a claustrophobic element to it certainly and because the constant pressure, like it's, there's never a slowdown. Yeah. It, it does like push a, a real anxiety on you that you, you know, you're going to die eventually. Oh. You know, you know, you know, you're going to hit the wall pretty soon. <sighs> so it is like you say, there, there is like a horrific element to it. It's basically, it, it's, it's literal survival horror. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris, for bringing Super Hexagon to us. Somebody else talk now. I choose Minty. Okay, about what? Your 77th favourite video game, preferably. Sure. You know how there are things in life that hurt you? Oh. But you feel compelled <laughs> to go back to time and time again out of some morbid curiosity. Toxic yes. exes, licking a nine-volt battery, <laughs> chicken cottage. <laughs> <laughs> the list goes on. This is the latest instalment in a series that I love, but followed an entry which I absolutely despised. The series in question starts uh, with... Uh, it starts with a gorgeous and quirky RPG with sweeping levels, lovely fleshed-out characters, great dialogue, and then that progressed into an even better RPG with the next game, and then that progressed into a... like a, a, a good RPG with classic platforming elements before nosediving into a stage format circus of bullshit with none of the charm, <laughs> gameplay, characters or writing that made the first three so great and replacing them with a terrible combat and puzzle system. My 77th favourite video game, that wicker basket full of turds successor, <laughs> didn't fix a whole lot of what was wrong with the previous game, but somehow took it and made it work. It's Paper Mario Color Splash. Ah, oh, okay. I, I, I knew that you were talking about Paper Mario, but I couldn't, for the life of me, I, could, I didn't, I totally forgot that that game existed. Mm, mm. So just, just before we move on, is the rubbish one the 3DS one? Yes. Stick a star. Yeah, okay. There's been very few things I've seen Minty <laughs> as angry about as 
his reaction to playing that game and realizing one absolute colossal error he made mm. <laughs> what was so bad about it as as like i've only played the first paper mario so you know how the first paper mario was good yeah. it was story driven you had seven stages which you had to go through and it was just sort of very sort of open-ended storytelling gameplay yeah and whenever you fought something you could just attack them with your yeah. with your jump or with your hammer or if you wanted to get fancy, you could put on a badge and use your flower points, which I guess is your mana, to do a powerful attack. Yes. Sticker Star took that turn-based battling system and made every single thing that you could do in the game, like, run out, if that makes sense. So, <laughs> Like mobile energy bars. Pretty much, yeah. But instead of health or energy... It was your will to live. It was stickers. And the stickers had, like, a hammer or a, or a slipper on them. And you use those to attack. And if your sticker book ran out, you couldn't just you just couldn't attack anymore, and you had to trudge through the overworld trying to find more stickers so you could do more encounters. Yeah. I mean, it's not too dissimilar from weapons having durability. That is true. Yes, yes. But what made Sticker Star so bad was the fact that it built on three games that had a good story, great characters, great writing, and just was like. These are obviously not the things that made Paper Mario good. It was the fact that he was made out of paper. So let's make it papery. Let's let's introduce stickers. I hated it. <laughs> Color Splash. Standard Mario fare. Bowser's at it again, doing evil things. This time he's stealing all the colours from an island. It can be done. You and a living paint bucket have to collect the six colourful MacGuffins to save everybody from just like being sad because they're black and white. It makes Sticker Stars horrible. Use stickers you find in the overworld to use abilities in combat or you can't do anything in combat mechanic. It makes it marginally better by having a like a deck of cards. So instead of like just using one thing once and that's it, you, you use a card, it goes into your discard pile, you shuffle it again. And the colour element comes in because you will draw a card and you have to colour it in to make it more powerful. So it becomes less of a, um, I don't want to use any attacks because then I have to go and like break up the flow of the game to go and find some more stickers so I can do another fight. It becomes more of a resource management game because you're looking for little blobs of paint to fill up your bucket so you can use your cards at full strength. Okay. So it, it kind of moderates that finite resource element to it and just yeah. makes it makes it not fucking awful <laughs> <laughs> and the dialogue is actually probably up there with the best in the series as well there's one scene when you're on the train i can't really remember what the level is but you're on a train and uh, one of the train carriages ha is full of enemies or bowser's minions but they're not enemies that you fight they're enemies that you talk to and there's one shy guy who's just who says mario would you come and sit with me you say yes and he says uh you know I, I know i joined bowser's army um and this is this is what my life is now but i often wonder what things would be like if i could get out and he just, he just has that lovely sort of a lovely quite deep exchange yeah. and it ends with him going you may see me again mario but then it will be as simple as good guy versus bad guy oh but it gets better because in the very next level, when you're taking down uh, the evil circus, you kill a shy guy in a random encounter and he says, do you remember me? Oh. We spoke on the train. You kill him. I'm glad it ended this way. 
or something like that. That's devastating, Mitty. It, it was... Almost like watching Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> it was a... <laughs> it was an almost unprecedented level of character development I hadn't seen in a Nintendo game in a long time, uh, if ever, and it kind of blew me away a little. I think even though it's not the best Paper Mario game at all, that moment really stuck with me, and it's probably one of my favourite moments from the series. If you're playing the R3 Sense drinking game, you'll be pleased to hear that I never completed it. <laughs> uh, because A, I traded it in along with every other Wii U game I had and my Wii U to buy a Switch. It's fair enough. And because the bosses in Sticker Star and Colour Splash were shite. And you pretty much <laughs> oh. had to summon a thing. I'm not being nebulous or fluffy. You actually, that was another mechanic in the game. You could pick up things which were just like random items but really big give me an example of a thing a thing like a fan an electric fan okay sure right? you pick it up and mario's i guess like eight inches tall in this game because all the things are household items but they're massive so the fan you pick it up you take it to a guy who flattens it out for you and turns it into a sticker or a card and then you place it in the overworld and it like it blows wind into the windmill, right. for example. Much to the game's detriment outside of uh, the puzzle aspect of it, because there were some bosses in these games where you had to use a thing which was missable oh, oh. to either one-hit KO it or you'd just be there for like hours, hours at a time, just throwing prit sticks yeah. or just like slapping a post-it on them. You'd either... Use the, use the thing sticker to one-shot them, mm. or you'd be there just using the normal stickers to chip off like one out of 400 health every turn, <laughs> only to have your quirky psychic literally tell you off for not cutting up the Goomba King with a massive pair of real-world scissors. I mean, where was he when there were scissors to be had? I, I did like what I played of Colour Splash, which was about 95% of it, and I think if Sticker Star never happened, I would be happy with where Colour Splash took the Paper Mario series. Well, that wraps it up for another week. It's another three games. You know, I don't know what else you were expecting. Should know by now. First of all, we had Fantasy Life, and then we had... Super Hexagon. Then we had... Flat Italian chromatic mess <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode or if indeed you've enjoyed any of the episodes please do like and subscribe leave us a review share it with your friends share it on social media you can find us on Facebook and if anybody knows how I can get some more sleep and be a bit more alert for the next episode you can tweet me at Jonathan Dunn you can tweet me just for a laugh at Chaz underscore Hodges I'm Minty Booth and please do join us again next week for our 76s. All right, then. One movie ticket, please. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>